Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome, everybody, to Finding Hermes. As always, I hope you're ready to lay your cards on the table and walk through some doors with the god of the mind, the ultimate trickster. And with us, it is a pleasure, as always, to have Gigi Young to share her notes. As Gigi, how are you? And thanks for coming on. I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me back. Pleasure is all mine. And as we were talking right before the interview, sometimes the pre-interview chats are always more interesting or post-interviews. Everybody just sort of lets it all out. But you came on Aeon Byte, uh, January 24th, 220. Uh, man, how things have changed, don't you think? We Oh, it's, I was just looking back and I just saw, I was like, oh my gosh, our conversation was literally just before the covid health crisis you know hit so we were yeah the last we breath were innocent <laughs> yeah, the, last, <laughs> the last breath of normal life you know we didn't know what was going to happen we were just babies at that point yeah <laughs> <laughs> but what that's what's interesting i as uh, as i told you when everything got weird it really didn't bother me it also like helped me and i know uh <laughs> what i tell people is uh it's simply the chaos out there finally matched the chaos in my mind or it, no matter how weird life gets what's inside my head is always a thousand times weirder so it's fine but at the same time i saw glimpses of another world and it's hard to explain but when everything got quiet when the linear 
fashion of the old normal was disrupted and everybody was sort of searching and pawing. Most of people just drowning. It's a lot of people drowning. I saw glimpses of a past world and I call it dream time. I saw Tiamat. I saw lunar powers. I saw things coming up and I saw a world that we missed as 21st century humans, rational humans. And I thought, well, this is a world we need to integrate because this is a world that we've lost and brought us to 2020 and 21. How has it been for you? What do you think of this? Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with the sentiment that, you know, many of us were living in different worlds. Mm-hmm. And there were there were some people that were so unaware of, like you just named a couple pages of really our deep esoteric past, our deep human history. And here you are aware of this, and many other people are aware of this, but a lot of society isn't on that same page, and their life is a little bit more um, materialistic, let's say. They, they're, they're not necessarily asking certain questions or diving deeply into certain topics. But then now, after, after, after this COVID crisis, well, now you can actually see uh, socially a lot of people awakening, but also you can see a lot of the patterns that the people in power are doing actually do date back to places like Atlantis <laughs> or lost civilizations. And we can see these patterns glaring us in the face now. We were just talking about, you know, transhumanism and AI and, you know, doing weird things with genetics and experimentation and things like this. And mm-hmm. this, is ex- yeah, this is exactly like why civilizations fell in the past. So in a lot of ways, this crisis is really just validating a lot of people who were really deep into this stuff before. So you're right. And more, you're right too. More people are searching because we realize the old ways aren't working or they need to be, we need to realign ourselves. I mean, do you think we'll ever go back to the old normal? I think this is it. This is, a, as I tell people, uh, it's not the best time to be alive, but it's the best time to be awake. And this is uh, a thousand apocalypses that are hitting everybody at different different levels. Exactly. I don't think that the old normal was real. <laughs> I think in, the, in a lot of ways, I think that like we have a better chance in this environment to create something real in our lives and with each other as a, as, as a community than we ever would have before. Um, and so I think this is actually more real. And I think the old normal was a very controlled environment. People were still getting kicked off social media. You know, people, all of this stuff that's going on now times 10 was still going on times two or one before all this stuff happened. You know, it was still, it's just this world is now on steroids, but it was always there. It was always in the background. And so I think that we'll never go back to that normal. I think that we're headed towards something better. And we're just shaking off the, we're just shaking the sleep out of our eyes so that we can kind of position ourselves for something better. But we have to move through all of this crazy stuff and see how many of us can get on the same page first. 
Yeah, there's a Zoroastrian saying I love to quote. It says, evil always turns stupid. Do you think the powers that be have gotten a little bit stupid? They over or did they overplay their hands in the last two years? I think they I think that I think that one of the problems with evil is, is that evil is missing the human component. That's kind of what makes it evil. And the problem with missing that human component, that emotional component, or that kind of the real deep spiritual component is, is you really cannot predict time very well. And you really can't predict humanity very well. If you are inhuman because you're degenerated, which I would argue a lot of people in, in power are, I'm just not going to mince words. You're not going to have a very healthy mindset in order to analyze people. You're going to be trapped in a very weird and bizarre world. And ultimately, you know, it's going to fall apart because your false world or synthetic world cannot compete with the organic world. It'll never dominate the organic world, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. And I, I enjoyed uh, watching your videos and following on you on uh, on social media, especially in 2020 when everything hit and it was so intense. Again, it seemed every reality was cracking open, and that's when I kept seeing, like you said, possibilities, but also the ancient way of existing, the dream time or the days of Ashira, whatever you want to. I call it many things. But you said uh, you've also shared that it was very hard, but I enjoyed it because I could tell you were fighting first and foremost for the dignity of the human, for us to remain individuals, regardless of what happened, for us to be free and for us to be healthy, too. But it was still very hard on you. Do you, do you think so? Or as, as you've mentioned before? Oh, definitely. It's it is very hard. Um, it's hard in many ways. It's hard to see people, I think, betray their own sense of dignity as a human. It's hard to see people, especially people that you love or people that you once admired, um, abandon their own humanity, knowing, knowing that it's your humanity that will ultimately save you and that will ultimately lead you through any, any crisis imaginable it's actually your humanity that that gets you through that it's what it, it's the spark that makes us human that light and that's actually what we can never allow to go out and so it is sad to see people betray that um absolutely but um even psychically for those who don't know i'm a mystic or a psychic um i also began to see years ago um very strange things with like the planet Mars and AI in sort of this very weird synthetic timeline. And then through the work of Rudolf Steiner, that was fleshed out significantly for me. Um, and then when all this kind of stuff started to happen, it became very obvious that when we reach an end times, like you're speaking about, um, we have a choice. We can either mutate ourselves and sort of degrade ourselves and essentially descend or we can remain organic and we can use this pressure to catalyze ourselves into something greater, but remain organic. Mm. And that's sort of how I see it happening now. By organic, you mean non-mechanical? Is that, or how, how exactly, what do you mean by organic? Yeah, so basically a biological human. 
mm-hmm. which means that there's several different ways that I think humans can be modified to no longer be organic or biological. One would definitely be to create androids um, and mechanize the human to have sort of great powers that actually end up degenerating the human spirit or not allowing the human spirit to actually connect with the body anymore because we're kind of a perfect, succinct system. Mm-hmm. The other way would be to create human animal chimeras. So changing the human genome by creating bizarre hybrids or too much hybridization, not necessarily with a machine, but with some kind of, you know, animal or some kind of thing to the point that your genetics are no longer technically human. So essentially playing God with ourselves to the point where we deform and distort ourselves that we're actually out of the evolutionary cycle of the planet. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. And, uh, I, uh, was also remembering our first interview or that interview. Well, two points. One is, uh, we did talk about divide and conquer and how that's the way the elite or whoever they're working for, or whatever en- entities they're working for. But, uh, that was, that's always been one of your warnings, right? Don't fall for the divide and conquer and the labeling that goes out there, which don't even work anymore. Labels. I keep telling people we got to get over these labels and these tired old systems. Oh yeah. It's like they take any ancestral wound we have any ancestral wound. It could be a religious wound. So let's have, you know, the Christians fighting against Muslims or the Jews fighting against Muslims. And then let's have every race fight against each other and bring up every single ancestral wound we have. And it works because we actually do genuinely need healing. Mm-hmm. You know, we genuinely need healing in these areas. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't work to say that there is no problems between cultures or religions because there definitely is. Um, and we do need to work on that. But we're there, it's actually being distorted so that we fight each other all the time so that we don't look up. And we don't realize the tyranny that's going on. We don't we don't start checking the receipts to who's actually been doing most of the oppression and in, 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 in the world. You know, as long as we're fighting with each other, then we're not going to catch on to the larger narratives at the top. As So, yeah. Oh, 100%. It's like I was in Portland about a month ago. So, of course, I had to tell my guests, you got to take me where Antifa and the Proud Boys are fighting. So he took me to the yeah. area. Oh, it's kind of like it's a tourist attraction. And I did it out of a lark just to amuse myself. Uh Portland's a great city, but of course, my host and I, I was at a Freemason hall doing a presentation. We both knew that this is an example of divide and conquer. You have Antifa and the Proud Boys fighting on the street. Everybody's got their phones and cameras and focus, and then the powerful are, you know, a few blocks away counting their money, getting the resources. So that's what it's all about, right? Oh, absolutely. And they function under the you know, the reality that if they can make us do it, then we deserve it. And if we can't catch on to it, then we deserve it. And it's like, there's an element of that. That's like, well, we do keep (laughs) fighting with each other. And um, so, um, but yeah, it's once you see the pattern, you can't unsee it. Yeah. No, no. And and what advice do you give your uh, clients from a psychic level, how to keep 
your focus because again these divide and conquer and bread and circuses they're pretty tantalizing you got to admit to get yourself drawn how do you tell that you're actually focused on the right thing as you said you're looking up at the sky well you always have to you know i would always suggest that you always have to be very aware of what your personal wounds are you know, what your personal triggers are, your personal ancestral wounds. Um, you have to be very aware of what's in your, you know, pain body. Mm-hmm. Because only what we are unaware of can rule us. You know, so we have to be very aware of what we can be triggered by. And then make sure that that's not being dragged out of us in these kind of tribal warfare, you know, you know, circumstances. And also it really works to just limit your time online and limit your time reading and and limit because you just get pulled into funnels on Twitter on on Facebook where it's like one street fight after another. And then I'll click this link and then I'll click and you're, what was I doing in the first, I was just going to get a recipe from my phone. (laughs) Shrimp scampi. And now I'm over here wondering about this fight in Washington. Exactly. And so you kind of get funneled into it because there's this, because I think there's like this survivalist part of us that's like, I have to know what the chaos is so that I don't get caught up in it and it doesn't harm me. But then in, in reality, it's not, it might not even be real chaos. It could be completely manufactured. And so we have to be very protective of our energy and have strict viewing of news and not get caught into things. Um, and that is just to preserve our well-being. Yeah, and I think you hit it on the head about our ancestral wounds. I guess, uh, I, as you know, I like to get Jungian, but what has helped me is I realize when something gets me emotional on the Internet or the media, there's a 99.99% chance that I'm projecting something in my past or my ancestors past is hurting and I'm projecting that pain. And then suddenly I'm engaging with that instead of, uh, as you would say, look inward and see where this pain is and integrate it, heal with it, go back and make peace with it. I realized recently you can go back to the past and make peace with anybody or anything. It's uh, it's a wonderful, uh, uh, exercise, if you would. Oh yeah. It's one of the most, it's one of the most amazing things to kind of go back and rescue that little child or, um, apologize to somebody or whatever it is. It really does heal. And yeah, we got to be careful of those tribal elements that can come out within us because it's true. You could watch one thing and not even be drawn into it at all. Mm-hmm. but then something else can completely it's personal you know <laughs> so <laughs> yeah if the adrenaline's going something's up there's mm-hmm. information that's coming up and you've got to address it so it's uh and i think uh the other thing which you've taught me is also compassion have complete compassion for those who can't see those who are in pain out there those who are in conflict even those who are hurdling nasty stuff at you on social media, which happens to you and I all the time. (laughs) Yes. Compassion, I think, is actually the highest form of intelligence. Mm -hmm. Because when you can develop genuine compassion, to me, it kind of represents a level of comfort with the self and, and, and kind of with humanity where you realize we're all interconnected. At the end of the day, we're all interconnected. 
And so compassion is actually the highest action when we understand that we're all interwoven. And so it, you, we, we definitely have to have that. It's also the only thing that's going to transform anything and anyone. Even when we are at our darkest time, our lowest time, it is a compassionate ear and an open heart and love that would help us through that. It's always the energy that helps us, that heals. Well said. It reminds me uh techniques in Alcoholics Anonymous that I've learned. And what did they say? If uh, if you're having a bad day, call your sponsor. If you're having a tragedy, call your sponsee, which is, makes no sense. But uh, it, it does have people who lose somebody. They'll call their sponsee and say, how can I help you? It's paradoxical, but somehow helping others gets us out of our ego and in a way takes away a lot of the pain. Wow, that's really incredible. I hadn't heard that, but that's, I think, a really deep metaphysical truth. Yeah, we've got a, yeah, it works. And it also, again, it just minimizes your ego, which is uh, very important these days. True. <laughs> True. No, it is. Because as soon as we, we get in survival mode, our ego comes out. Yeah, fight or flight. Yeah. That's something, uh, yeah, and it can be anything. It could be you get in a, you get in a fight in the kitchen with your partner. Or the kids do something. Somebody at the line isn't fast enough with the coffee, you know. And when you look back, you're like, these things are so ridiculous. It's like I'm a puppet in some no. insane play. It's true. You're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> it's like the energy spent is not worth it. So um, no. But it takes practice. And um, I mentioned about our last interview, and this is something you brought up after the interview. We started talking about hermeticism and Gnosticism, and then Vance, you and I went over here, went over there, and it was a blast. But after the interview, you're like, you know, Miguel, you never asked me about the Archons. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> the main bad guys of Gnosticism. And uh, I forgot. And of course, now I'm like, well, I blame the Archons. They obfuscated my mind. They put a they mind did. parasite like David Icke or something. Don't ask Gigi about the Archons. <laughs> but uh, maybe you could share about the Archons. And for the audience, uh, uh, I don't. hopefully I'm not mansplaining, but Gigi had an experience when she was working in Japan. She was having kind of a, you were having a crisis, lonely and your mind open and you saw the Pleiadians informing you. And then that sort of took you on this path away from materialism to becoming a psychic and seeing this universe that was very busy with all these entities going on at about it. So um, unless I'm missing something, tell us about the Archons. Yes. No, that's very, very true. All of that is very true. Um, yes. Yeah, so I know that there are, I, I know that the Gnostics have probably the best explanation of the Archons, which are kind of like these fallen, they're kind of like fallen entities, mm -hmm. right? Like they were once great principalities, but then they fell into a lower form. And it's these Archons or these kind of fallen beings that act as these antagonists for us in our lives. And I think you could also maybe say that they gather up almost like egregores energy. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole cult following, I think for many archons where people think that their gods give energy to them, but it actually just feeds kind of the devolution or regression of the planet. So there's these spiritual 
lower principalities. And I think that different systems of mysticism call them different things. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have, um, I'm not sure, but would like fallen angels be technically like an archon? It could. So, yeah, uh, the uh, Nephilim or the Watchers. In fact, the Gnostics do talk about the Book of Enoch and they just replace Watchers with Archons. They just like, hey, we're going to make this we're going to reboot this movie our way. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So there's this it's something that's always existed in mysticism, but the name has kind of been changed around. And then some people Mm -hmm. call out specific Archons. Right. You know, and so, but it's a fa- but it's basically a realm of beings that, because I think the most important thing that I could say about these archons is that there's a really distinct lesson in it, which is that even these higher beings, say Pleiadians, if you want to go the cosmic route, or Venusians, the cosmic route, or angels, the sort of biblical route. I know that angel is used in different ways, but that kind of way. Even these higher beings that are here to serve humanity, once they are subject to a lower density or kind of time and space, they are subject to the same kind of pressures that humanity is. And they can either go through a initiation and ascension themselves into yet even higher planes. Mm-hmm. Or they can fall. And so we have in this world, we have basically real angels or real higher beings who look after the earth. They look after humanity. They serve the Christ impulse or Christ consciousness or love consciousness, light. But then you have these beings that technically are of the same ilk as the angels or as the Pleiadians or as the Venusians or as the higher humans that have fallen and they're now in a process of complete degeneration. And this is very confusing for humanity because there's certain points on the earth where the fallen angels looked the exact same as the real angels mm-hmm. or the fallen kind of higher humans look the same as the uh, higher ones. And so this caused a lot of confusion and a lot of opposing cults began. And it's still going on now, except for now in our timeline, I would argue that the fallen angels no longer look human because if you're degenerated, um, which means that you're no longer connected to the life impulse, Christ impulse um, of the cosmos, then you will degenerate because that is the energy that renews all things. And so if you're not connected to that, eventually you will, if you follow that trajectory, you will begin to fall deeper and deeper into more of a deformed state. And uh, that makes sense. I mean, even some many of the Gnostic texts, there are redeemed archons, and they usually, in the text, they will take the side of Sophia or Jesus. So that happens, but in the Gnostic texts, the archons are here to trap our divinity, keep us in ignorance. Uh, and it could be, again, material delight. It could be horror. It could be whatever works to keep us blind in ignorance to our true nature, which is beyond the stars with the ultimate source. Yeah. How do you see the archons or the lower entities? Why are they there? I know in our last interview you said, when I ask you what evil is and says evil is a great teacher. It's there to push our boundaries and 
make us understand and grow. But uh, how would you uh, see the archons or evil? Yeah, so there's always the higher perspective, which is that the archons are going to appear to us as the greatest initiator. Mm-hmm. And for example, like um, in Anthroposophy or Rudolf Steiner's work, you have like Aramon. And Aramon is is taking on this super technologically advanced society or this super technologically advanced human that has no soul anymore. And so you see the Archon there is basically taking on the worst of humanity in one direction. And then you have kind of Lucifer, which is sort of like another kind of Archon in a way, the fallen angel Lucifer. And he represents extreme depersonalization, almost like this wild spirituality that the human being can't handle. You know what I mean? Like this intense spirituality that just draws you out of yourself too fast. It's almost like the spirituality of a past era that humanity can't handle. And that draws you out of yourself. And so there's this energy, there's this thing with our, these beings where they always mirror to us exactly what we need to know, but we don't learn it as in like a nice, like, nice little lesson you know we learn it by (laughs) like here you go children like this is what that is we learn it through literally suffering in their influence um and then so so there's we have to understand that higher the higher reality that they're actually initiating us um and then we can get into like the lower stuff where you know they actually kind of feed on us (laughs) Mm mm-hmm you know that I mean the reason why they do that is because they fell from um, the natural order of things, and when you fall from the natural order of things, you no longer can get energy naturally. So you have to feed off of something, and this is where we get all of our vampire legends and our parasite myth, all, all the human parasite right. mythologies and. You start understanding parasites and you start to understand like a lot of what's going on is these archons are are parasitically living off of humanity because they cannot connect to spirit themselves because of the way that they are. They refuse to. I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And for, uh, yes, Steiner's uh, Ironman and Lucifer is so helpful and relevant even today. So what is the goal, Gigi, in Steiner's, uh, uh, system? Are we supposed to, how do you dance or is there a middle path between these two archetypes? Yes. So the middle path in um, Steiner's cosmology would be Christ, mm. um, would be Christ. Uh, and, uh, and it would be to not deny them, to not deny them, but to balance them. So Lucifer is often called Lucifer Gnosis, which is giving us a big hint because it's acknowledging that the entity that is Lucifer, if we look at his entire trajectory on Earth, is actually a force that can bring wisdom when used properly. Anything can be a poison or it can be a good, a great catalyst. So we see that, you know, Lucifer has that ability to be either depending on how we're living our life. And then same with Aramon. Armon is there to teach us uh, how to live with technology and how to not abandon ourselves and allow machines and technology to um, take over our lives so that 
we we have to prevent a kind of atrophy from occurring by being very disciplined in how we interact with technology. No, that makes uh, perfect sense. And uh, what other uh, suggestions or wisdom from Steiner have helped you out or do you think people need to listen to? One I, I like, there's one quote where I think he talks about, for every occult step forward, we need to take three moral steps forward. Instead of, instead of, we have to be way ahead of the game because this power gets out of hand. Oh, that's so great. A hundred percent. That's, that's such a good one. You know, um, so much occult knowledge and occult wisdom has been perverted and become just plainly dangerous, you know, um, and for humanity, I mean, whether it be something like MK ultra and the psychic techniques that, they use in those kind of programs, super dangerous now to the human being or technologies, you know, uh, that's all, that's all occult information that's being used immorally. Um, look at the magic technology. That's all it is. Look at the, uh, from the gods. That's what technology magic are, or the, the watchers who gave us all these gifts to, uh, when we were cavemen. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And also, like, you think about the uh, Manchurian candidates. Mm. That's the type of occult influence that's being used, people being, you know, these. But when it comes to Steiner, I actually read something recently, and I just thought it was very prescient. He was very worried, I think, about this time. I think he saw this time as being a major challenge for humanity. And I can't remember what lecture it was, but he actually said that every disease is a lie. So every, yeah, he says that if humanity is to come down with something like the plague or a great disease or like a great pestilence, then that pestilence is actually the exact resonance of a specific lie. Mm-hmm. a lie that humanity has within their heart and it wouldn't be able to exist in this mass scale unless basically humanity had this specific lie within them. So the, so the virus or the pestilence really is the exact energy of a specific lie that humanity is telling themselves. Collect- and I was I read that and I was like, what lie? I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is such a, like it makes sense to me, but I I kept thinking like, what is the lie that we're- I know, I was just thinking, (laughs) this is is the treasure once we figure it out. It's amazing how there's very few individuals of all these great occultists in the late 19th century, 20th century, but uh, they really weren't focused on the future of technology, except for again Steiner, Heidegger, and I think a few others. But uh, it was. Uh, I'm glad that there there's still so much we're probably unpacking from their ideas to learn. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the 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 technology thing seemed to. I think a lot of people didn't didn't sense it. And it's funny, it's it's just the exact same thing as like, I hate to say it, but sometimes mystics are limited. And I also see that in in my mystical community, like just the new age community or whatever, where people don't speak out against corruption or they don't speak out against things that are bad. Even though it's the number one thing that should be spoken about, you have a lot of people who are technically psychics or mystics or spiritual leaders who refuse to discuss the tough stuff. And that's... 
just a weird thing about, I think, the spiritual community, I guess. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, it needs its own reformation and it's going through its own challenges, just like everybody else. I try not to be judgmental. It's just, uh, it is what it is. And you talk about Christ consciousness. How would you define Christ consciousness? Because that's been used by so many, even fundamentalists use it. Yes. Well, there's this notion that... I would say it this way. I would say Christ consciousness is basically, you know, the, it's sort of like an energy that's, you could say that it's within the heart and it's really like a, it's, it, it, I guess you could also say it's, it's how the human being is when they become completely aligned. Then you're starting to get into the field of Christ consciousness, but there's also something called the Christ impulse or the Christ stream. And that's actually the stream really of life, of life energy, of love energy. Um, It's a holy fire. And it's the impulse that gives everything life, that gives everything healing, healing, that gives renewal. Um, It's our very, in in a lot of ways, you could see it as our very chi, our very life force energy. Um, that's sort of what it is. It's it's such a huge concept that it has many names. You know, it's like Sophia. Sophia has many different names. And it, that's kind of like Christ consciousness, too. Um, I think uh, you see, like in the Christian um, tradition, you'll see Christ consciousness personify completely and totally into a man. And then, you know, after Christ, it's it, it goes into the etheric realm and the higher realms and is in a consciousness. And the idea is, is that the Christ impulse or the Christ stream will have these various different incarnations as sometimes it'll personify into avatars to varying degrees and they'll teach. And so it's actually a really interesting, I would say stream of life stream of spiritual essence, I would say. Yeah, it makes sense. The other day I was we were having a little like private group on Zoom and we were talking about the Rosicrucians and um Vance said something about the solution is love. And I sat there thinking about it. And then there was somebody the next day somebody on Facebook said uh the old all we need is love. Uh it remind me of John Lennon or the Beatles. And I wrote something like uh what is love parentheses baby don't hurt me baby don't hurt me uh, i was being funny and kind of a jackass but it was a but it was an honest question and he got really mad at me just wrote all these 
But I sat there and I said, well, we use that word love a lot, but does anybody, uh, it's like the word pagan or even mystic. Everybody assumes everybody else knows what it is in the room, but nobody wants to define it. Have you, if somebody asks you, what is love, Gigi? Baby, don't hurt me. How would you define it? <laughs> well, sometimes humor can actually bring us flashes of insight, at, you know, so that's that's good. I see where you're going with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, love is a lot of different things. Love can be experienced as emotions. And I would say anything in the love scale is anything from usually neutrality to to kind of joy going into that as long as it's harmonized um you could also say that love could be described i think as something called spiritual warmth mm. spiritual warmth um but it is the force that heals that aligns um it's so much bigger than us that because in a way it's everything and it's so much bigger than us that it's hard to describe but the only way that it's kind of like looking at the sun, you can't look right at the sun. It's that's just like love. Mm -hmm. You can't look right at it. You can't get a picture of it. It's just in everything. And it's, you know, when you don't have it, you know, when you do, you know, when you're in it, you know, when you're not, that's what love is. It's this, it's, it, it is the mystery in a lot of ways. And we actually relate to everything in the world based on whether we have enough love or whether we don't. And so it's, it is often broken down into kind of like a Hallmark card. Um, it is because we're always trying to get at it. And we're always trying to be able to hold more of it and integrate more of it, but it, it really is a transcendental uh, energy and I think that you know when you see the the monks and they're and, and they're blissed out and they're meditating I think that they're saturated in love energy you know yeah yeah, yeah you can feel it I mean I've you I've walked by like a Buddhist priest or a Catholic priest and they're in the zone and I'm like ooh I want what they are feeling baby <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean you can tell they're full of this radiance yes and that's what I think that's a good way I think a practical way to understand what we, we can only really understand what love is when somebody is radiating it or when we're receiving it, when it's kind of humanized or we can really understand it then. Yeah. Well, something to work on. It's, it's something to look at and to, for sure. But again, as you said, uh, these concepts are uh, beyond language. They're really beyond our organic brain so we just uh, we get glimpses we get feelings yes. and it's a busy universe out there and in some other state we will get it and then we'll have more questions which it, it reminds me of something else you said and i use it often you, and you say you summon what you are and I like that because people will have questions, you know, are they angels? Are they aliens? Are they, you know, devils with horns? And <laughs> I realize who you are makes a difference in the supernatural that comes at you. It's everything. It's everything. Um, and this is why you also get, you know, you'll have somebody who like uses a Ouija board or something and they have like lovely experiences with their Ouija board. Like, no, I love it. Nothing ever happens. Like, you know, whatever. And then you have some people that like go into a haunted house once 
and they had like all these attachments on them because it was just the wrong place at the wrong time or whatever it is, you know? So, but we, we do attract what we are. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing about, this is why a lot of people used to say like, don't dabble, like don't dabble in things that you're not initiated in because what ends up happening like in a ceremonial sense or like just in a ritual sense is that if there's aspects of you that are unhealed, um, which all of us have, every one of us has aspects that are unhealed at this point, Mm -hmm. you know, if you start to go into a spiritual space and you start summoning things or working with deities or whatever it is, um, you the, usually the first thing you'll get some not not all the time but this is like the dweller the dweller at the threshold kind of thing mm. where it's like usually the first thing that you'll get or at some major stage in your development you will basically confront your own shadow mm. and this is often portrayed in the dweller at the threshold um, and the idea also a lot of ancient mystery teachings where they would purposely lock people in the dark for long periods of time in like a pyramid or a cave. And this was to actually get them to confront that part of themselves so that they could be a pure channel or at least a purer channel. You'd never be, you, it's not like you're going to be without that, but it's, it's, it's that it's kind of like, so you, you, you know what it is <laughs> and so that you can deal with it. Um, And so there is, you do attract what you are, which means your light and any beings that you have that are part of your spiritual team or that are um, guides, things like that, people you're connected to in past lives, you have access to all that, but you also have access to potentially entities that represent your darker side. So... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, you got (laughs) to do it. You got to get in to get out, as uh, Peter Gabriel sang when he was with Genesis. And the Eleusinian mysteries, a lot of the Gnostic texts, uh, yeah, you go down into hate. Christ had to go down to hell for three days. He was probably integrating a shadow, (laughs) but you got to go into the darkness. The womb of death is the womb of life. They're one and the same, and this is how we find transformation. Yes, exactly. You've got to be in that. And uh, once you come out of it, you know, you'll actually hopefully have better insight and more clarity because that part of you isn't controlling you anymore, you know? So it can be really good, but a lot of, a lot of people can go into, you know, spiritual practices or advanced magic or something. And then, you know, that's not that's not good. <laughs> no, no. And it also reminds me in his book, Supernatural, uh, Whitley Strieber uh, said, or somebody asked him, you know, why do these aliens appear like this and that? And he said, well, if you want better aliens, you got to be you got to make better science fiction movies. And people were confused, but it made perfect sense because he said these things appear as we understand them. So if we've got good science fiction movies like Dune, maybe we'll get nicer looking aliens. <laughs> that is so true because really it just creates a portal. Really it does. 
And one of the things that I actually discovered about aliens or interdimensional beings that really shocked me and took me a really long time to integrate is that these are actually just different aspects of ourselves. Literally, these are different timelines of humanity. Mm -hmm. The major groups that we get are literally different aspects of ourselves. It's our way of confronting our future. And that really kind of blew me away. So it's like, yeah, if you're portraying a certain thing on TV and in movies, it's kind of like you're almost anchoring humanity to a certain future. Mm-hmm. If, if yeah. we under, you know what I mean? It's almost like, yeah, you're, that trying, makes sense. Yeah, you're like trying to sow humanity into a certain timeline. Cause like, cause right now people think that aliens and ETs are just, wow, there's life on this weird planet really far away. That's not connected to humanity. And I think that that's not exactly true. And I think there's a lot more to it. And I think that's part of maybe disclosure or what we'll learn in our lifetime, but yeah, yeah, that's a weird one. (laughs) Well, as the saying goes, if, uh, if time travel is possible, somebody has already done it and they're already running around between dimensions. They've evolved, they've devolved, they've gone somewhere and spent a million years. I mean, it's a, this is it's the a thing. busy universe out there. <laughs> this is the thing. And that's why I actually ended up like being like, okay, I can actually get my head around this because once you factor in that time travel exists, you have to start thinking about like, okay, well, what if humanity gets to the point of time travel? Some people argue we have it now. Mm-hmm. And then you start adding like a hundred thousand years. And what if humanity started messing around with their genetics? And then you, you add a hundred thousand years or a million years or whatever it is. You start to get a picture of like, yeah, these beings that look very deformed or the giants or these different kinds of humans. It's like, are these different timelines of our own self? And then for me, what was really fascinating is that it's almost as though the cosmos have allotted for that and time and density move together. So when, when I'm doing psychic work, I always know where I am in time because of what the density is on the planet. Mm. And that was always something that was very strange to me. But then with time travel, it's like, um, or with uh, kind of humanity time traveling back and forth, what I realized was that it can only exist within the lower dimensions of reality. So there's, so there's kind of, this is going to go, this is like crazy. Like people are going to be like, oh, but like, you know, <laughs> if, if we're talking about time travel, what I realized is psychically looking at it is that all of these different weird timelines were people are time traveling, they all exist within the lower realms. Mm. And what ends up happening is anybody that mutilates themselves or deforms themselves in any way, like we were talking about earlier, they always seek to come back and reintegrate into the time in which they were not mutilated to the time in which they, they didn't destroy their own genetics or they didn't merge with machines. So they're always trying to get back to the organic human. Mm. And that's something that was really that I realized in my psychic work as well. I know that's crazy, but 
No, I think it's it's that's logical. I think. I mean, if it's possible, <laughs> it's already happened somewhere. And but in the higher realms, you mean the spiritual realms? Because sometimes people say, "Well, now we're getting nihilistic because there's only us and dimensions and space travel and all that." But your ideas do not uh, divorce from spirits and higher realms and the whole the spiritual world. Not at all. Not at all. So the lower realms, like say the fourth density and third density. They're the most difficult realms, realms to incarnate into because of how mutated and, and, and far from the God impulse we can go. Mm-hmm. But then there's an initiation. Uh, there's a cosmic human initiation process that the human goes through and that the planet goes through. So what happens is we go down and de- we, we, start, we, we start at a higher, um, we start in a higher density. And then, or, or a higher plane, if you will, a much more spiritual plane. And then we begin to fall in density and and we kind of get heavier and heavier and heavier. And then we reach this heavy, heavy point. And all through this time period, we're going through these initiations, rather evolving with the planet or we're diverging kind of thing. You can imagine that. So we're, we're getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And then we reach this point in the center where it's super heavy, it's often called like the Kali Yuga or the darker cycle. And then we begin to go upward. So we actually ascend out of the lower dimensions naturally if we follow the impulse of our own Christ consciousness. And the earth does this as well. And the earth kind of takes on different incarnations at every density plane. So right now there's a higher version of the earth in a higher density and so all of these different densities or dimensions are interconnected. And there's a, there's a pathway of human initiation to reconnect back up into the highest planes. And that is through always integrating your Christ consciousness, always integrating that love energy. And so we're definitely not just down here disconnected. It's just a very hard school, if you will. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's meant to be that way. And uh, also, I thought about uh, the recent UFO reveals and uh, the elite, you know, sending space penises up into the sky. And I bet Gigi must be shaking her head. Yeah, You know, the Jeff Bezos, the rocket, uh, it looks like it's very phallic. Yeah, in fact, that's what somebody noticed. You have... um, what's the name Branson Richard Branson and his ship if you look at how it's wide looks like a uterus and then you've got Jeff Bezos who looks like a penis and I'm like these people are doing sex magic up in the sky they are these are rituals (laughs) they are space is this is what I was just on dark journalist show and we were talking about um we were talking about how space is a religion for these, for the billionaire class. They don't believe like you, like you and I and, and, and normal, they don't live, if, if they don't live like we do, you can be sure as heck that they don't believe like we do. They don't have the little potlucks at the church and you know coming over and talking they do not they actually they if we want to be just plain because why not you know <laughs> they actually have a the religion that they have is very very similar to the babylonian religion you know i agree which is a tight yes i think you've spoken about that before you've had shows about that before mm-hmm. 
so yeah, so they're they're sort of like the um, uh, the this sort of Babylonian pe- paganism, I guess you could maybe call it, like a darker sort of right. thing. There's a lot of dark elements to it. It's the Babylonian Dark Age religion, mm-hmm. you could say it is when it went when it became really decadent. Um, and then if you just add space travel to that, and you just add cosmos information about the cosmos to that, then you're going to have a good idea about what these people believe with the sex magic rituals. Um, and also the thing that's, I think missing is also, there's been a lot of channeling sessions that have been done like Mm. privately and secretly that's, I think has also given them certain belief systems that are not available to the public, but it's very clear that they're also going on some, sort of strange channeled information that they've been getting. Yeah, it's uh, it's so obvious. And for the viewers, just the whole space thing is a ritual. Once you see, like you said, you can't unsee it. And they know this. I had psychic friends who were hired by the Chicago Police Department. Why? Because it works. They got the bad guys. They don't put it out in the media, the press releases, but they use psychics. Uh we know that uh, the government uses remote viewers and magic during the Cold War, still do. Uh, and as the saying goes, uh, millionaires don't do astrology, billionaires do astrology. Why, Gigi? Because it works. And as I keep telling people, these people who are no longer human because they sold their souls to power, they use magic against us for thousands of years. It's time we use magic against them or realize our own magic. Oh, well said. Exactly. It's kind of like they've been like advancing and overdeveloping with like no moral compass. And then humanity has been kind of in this like held back. We're like in a deficit. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, no, we need to. But, you know, the good thing is, is that it's actually within everyone. It's it's actually innately within every human being. Mm -hmm. It's inside of us. It's not something that we have to go out and learn and grab or, 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 or take in from an outside source. It's literally inside of us. So. Yeah. As you say, we're all psychic. We all have the power. Exactly. So that's that's good to hear. I know you, um, or as we get towards the end, what advice do you give people in these hard times? Or perhaps what have you used or a new uh, wellness modalities or spiritual practice have you used that have really helped you out? Again, the part of this show is to give people the tools to, or the, the information to research alternative venues to deal with the non-return of the normal. If you yes, yes. Great, 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 great idea. So I would say one of the most important things is, you know, we are going through intense transformation. We are going through leaving the the old normal. And so I think it's really important to, to not try to expect yourself to like be as energetic mm-hmm. as you normally would or like as, as emotionally stable as you normally would be. So because we're going through this intense transition and it is a different normal that we're moving into, um, don't have the same expectations on yourself. 
you know, be really gentle with yourself. Be really listen, really listen to yourself, really listen to what you need. If you need to sleep longer, sleep longer, mm. you know, um, I think it's also really important for people to have a community and to reach mm. out and to talk to people, you know, don't isolate because there's a tendency that I've noticed with a lot of individuals to start isolating themselves because of we're kind of being forced in isolation. Mm-hmm. And I think we should, in, in in a lot of ways, I think that we should counteract that and try to reach out to people that we love and, and really try to stay in contact with people. And I think having a community is more important now than ever, even if it's like an online forum or something like that, I think is really important. Um, and Hmm. I think those are, are, are two really important things. Also, I would say educate yourself as well. Stay educated um, and uh, educated on esoteric things um, and, and challenge yourself to look deeper and deeper into what is going on, I would say, as well. Mm. I think that's great advice. Um, have you changed any of your practices since everything went down? Yeah, I think or, I mean, that, you met, you like to meditate. Obviously, meditation is always a given. I, I'm lazy. <laughs> I finally started. Re, I got back to my meditation practice in June, and I'm so grateful. And of course, I'm kicking myself. Why did I do it? You know, lose it for a year, <laughs> but it's so good once you get back into it. I know there's just a sense of of, of clarity. You just go into a completely different space of productivity, and and it's so true. The meditation is. It's like switching gears, so you're going to fight it. But it's yeah, it is an amazing thing. I would say that um, things for me definitely shifted because things just closed. Like you couldn't do anything anymore. So I think routines were forced to be everything was done indoors. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that everything that I was doing before became more intense. Mm-hmm. You know, so like whatever meditation I was doing before, I really felt um, the I really felt like I had to do it more just to get through the energy, all the crazy energies were being exposed to, yeah. you know, um, and I think eating clean is even more important now. Um, whatever you're doing before on the spiritual side and on the health side, I would do it even more. I think even having, I think also having a routine is really important in in your day. I think it's really easy in this environment to get like pulled off track and then not get things done or just get pulled off track into like a low state of emotion or depression or anxiety and things like that. So I think having a routine is really important when everything is chaotic around us, we have to have a really strong routine. Otherwise, we won't feel like we'll be we're productive, which is important. Yeah, it is important that we matter, that we feel productive, that we're making some difference in some little way. So. That we feel that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, awesome. Well, as always, uh, where can people know more about you? And I'll have, of course, in the show notes. But for those who are just listening in audio, where can they find you, Gigi? Yeah, you can find me on my website, which is just my name. So just www.ggyoung.com and everything you need to know is there. Or my YouTube, actually. Or, you know, my YouTube is just my name as well. 
And then, yeah, for, yeah. And for the audience, you give courses. That's I do your, your solutions. I I do. I don't do private sessions anymore. Um, I, I I do teach intuition development, um, and I have a beginner's course. I have psychic protection, and then I also have a sort of a little bit of a higher development. Um, and then I also have an online community where I will go live and just do. We do about three and a half hours every two weeks of live streaming. So I'll just take everybody's questions, and there's anything goes, you know. And then there's forums and a really lovely community on there. Um, and that's just what we've got going on. <laughs> Sounds like a good thing, an oasis from all this uh, craziness. That's what we try to make it. Yeah. There you go. Well, you heard it here. Well, Gigi, as always, it's great to talk to you. Uh, good luck for with everything. And uh, next time we talk, I'm sure, you know me, I ho hopefully it will be even weirder, but we'll still be able to share these amazing ideas. Absolutely. I love the weird. So absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And there you have it. An excellent conversation with Gigi Young. And you may be wondering, what the hell? Where am I? I should be in my studio. What am I doing walking around? Well, to be honest, uh, I got this uh, a new camera, a donation or a gift from a supporter. I'm very appreciative. And I thought I'd try it out. Uh, so I'm out here outside of the house. It's about 30 something degrees. We might get some snow very soon. So I wanted to test it out and uh, go ahead and wrap up this Finding Hermes. So, uh, so uh, as always, Gigi brings down the house and hopefully gives you some tools to destroying Archons. Always appreciate when she shows up at the Virtual Alexandria. One of the topics we were talking about is that of, it was that of love. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. So what is love? I've been thinking about that lately, and I'm sure you have great ideas yourself. Um, this Thanksgiving, it's going to be 20 years since my best friend and soulmate died, Sajad. Salam Aleikum Sajjad and uh, I can honestly say that after 20 years it's almost like not a minute has passed how I feel about him how connected I am to him it's like it was the day he left or the day we hung out time is uh, doesn't mean anything and uh, I still talk to Sajjad he comes to me in my dreams I talk to him in prayer every day He's around. Time means nothing. 20 years and not a day has passed. But in many ways, I still, my meat sack misses him a lot. And I know we will uh, meet in other levels or dimensions. So my point is basically that love is the destruction of time. Love is that force that makes everything timeless. That makes time mean nothing. Reminds me of this quote from Carl Jung, which I'm going to read now. What did you do as a child that made the hours pass like minutes? Herein lies the key to your earthly pursuits. So that's an excellent quote by Carl Jung, which uh, nails it on the head about love. And I mean, that can go for the love of what you need to do or the love of 
finding your true path or your authentic self, doing something and suddenly time ceases to exist. You're in the moment. Eternity's here. Hours pass in a blink. And as children, we were certainly more connected to this force of love and understood that love really brought us into eternity. So, it also reminds me of uh, Gurdjieff's, Beelzebub's tales to his grandson. Uh, when God creates the world, everything's fine, but then he gets caught up in time. Um, like a quicksand or a, or a current, time drags God down and traps him in the material world. And he turns into, yes, the Demiurge. So, time. Time is the great trapper. And uh, time is what keeps us from eternity. And love is that force that breaks us out. So it's a thought. It's a, specul it's a speculation. And, yeah, not a bad thing in this cold weather as snow comes to us. So I won't say much else as I'm here trying the camera. I hope the microphone is working. Uh, again, please uh, don't forget my book, 10 Snackable Contents. Content, 10 Snackable Meditations is out. And it's doing very well. And it actually does talk about time, especially with some of the meditations from uh, Buddhism and others. How to destroy time, how to bring down Saturn, how to take care of Cronus not eating you or uh, ripping the testicles of Uranus as he does in the myths. So check it out and uh, thanks, thanks for being here. I hope you've enjoyed the latest Finding Hermes. I hope you find ways to go through those doors, destroy time, get into eternity, put your cards on the table, on the table and as Mary Magdalene and Joseph Campbell said, become transparent to the transcendent. Thank you. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.